Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. We go offensive line a lot in the offseason. We have a guest again this week, Brandon Thorne, one of the O-line gurus. You can find his work over at Bleacher Report. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, excited to talk some offensive line. Thank you for having me. Yeah, plenty to talk about with the Cincinnati Bengals. They joked off offline that we've pretty much have been talking about the Bengals offensive line since Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Zeitler left. It's always a topic in Cincinnati. We're going to start with the big free agency news. It happened a little over two weeks ago with Orlando Brown coming to Cincinnati. What did you think of that move? You know, I was surprised, I think, like everybody else. But, um, you know, especially when you look at the contract uh, compared to other left tackles and the value of it, I think, was certainly uh, really good for Cincinnati and, you know, an upgrade at the position, um, even if maybe not a, a huge upgrade. But in terms of reliability, durability, that that certainly is an upgrade. And then uh, in the run game as well and just just a totally different kind of player. Um, so yeah, all in all, I think it was a, a really good move and, and had some good value as well. Before we yeah. get to some of the draft prospects, I'll oh, sorry there, Mike, um, no, I wanted no. to switch over to right tackle really quickly because Jonah Williams has been in the news. He was their left tackle before a really surprising move with Orlando Brown over at the left side. And, uh, right now there's a little bit of a trade demand from, from Jonah Williams camp, but at the moment they're still expecting him maybe a prospect, maybe Leo Collins at right tackle. Can we talk a little bit about that transition that you think for Jonah Williams, if he is starting at right tackle to begin the season? Yeah. Um, you're, you're probably getting the the same kind of guy that you are at left tackle. Uh, you know, if you look at his last three seasons and you kind of average that out, I think I've said this on Twitter as well, but like, you know, if you average that out, I think you get kind of a middle of the pack starter at left tackle. And I, I don't see, 
why he couldn't be that at right tackle either. Um, you know, I first became exposed to Jonah Williams at Alabama, his true freshman year starting at right tackle at Alabama, and he was really good then. Uh, hasn't played it in a while, obviously, but he has done it at a high level. And I, you know, I, I think you're probably getting the, the same kind of player over on that side if he does play that side. Yeah, uh, I think of switching sides almost kind of like uh, in baseball, switch hitters. Some guys can do it, some guys can't. Um, so if he's able to do it before, maybe it's like riding a bike. I don't know, but I've never done it at the NFL level. Those guys are big and fast. Uh, what do you think with uh, left guard Cordell Volson? What do you think he can improve on this season to become a more reliable starter for the Bengals? Because I think he's pretty much penciled into that spot. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it comes back to really technique for him because I, I don't see – him getting, you know, necessarily more athletic, uh, you know, or, you know, his movement skills improving a whole lot. And that was kind of, you know, pretty below average, I think, coming out of North Dakota State. Um, so in terms of the things that he can improve, uh, you know, I really think it's, you know, from my scouting report coming out is kind of the same things I saw, you know, as a rookie. Uh, last year, I think pad level, you know, you know, tendency to rise his base kind of gets narrow in the run game when he's driving guys off the ball and it causes him to fall off blocks, you know, a little bit uh, against guys who are really shifty and slippery. Um, so I think just playing with better leverage, you know, pad level and also hands as well, just, uh, you know, resetting those refitting those more efficiently, um, just so he can sustain blocks, I think mm -hmm. at a higher level. Uh, you know, I think that that would probably maximize, you know, what he can be as a player and make him a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there, there's some room for improvement for him, not a whole lot, but you know, those are the, the key areas. I think, uh, just cause when you watch him, I think just the tendency to kind of fall off blocks, uh, you know, is, is still there and it pops up a little bit. At the moment, the goal is, and we were just talking about Jonah Williams over at right tackle, and there is a possibility that at 28, they go get an offensive lineman. When you look at some of the draft prospects, who are you looking at for the Cincinnati Bengals if they're looking at the right side? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one is Darnell Wright from Tennessee, uh, if he if he's going to be there. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite guys in the class. I actually compared him to Leo Collins. Uh so, you know, natural fit, um, if they want to get bigger, stronger, more powerful, you know, on the offensive line, he's probably the most powerful offensive lineman in the class, uh, certainly better on the right side than the left as well. Um, so he's the kind of the clear cut guy, you know, that you would, you would want to put a right tackle uh, on the Bengals. And he makes a lot of sense from what they like at the position. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's just a natural fit and I think it would be It'd be awesome to see him, him go to Cincinnati. Uh, so that one really is the main one at 28. Uh, you know, I it's hard to kind of foresee a, another tackle being worthy of that that's going to move over to the right side, assuming some other guys are gone, like Peter Skronsky, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. Um, I don't know if Anton Harrison is – you know, capable of playing right tackle at the same level that he can play left, but that would be a potential option. Uh, Dewan Jones is a potential option as well. It'd be kind of crazy to have, you know, one of the few guys as big as Orlando Brown on the right side, you know, and Dewan Jones. So he's a possibility there. I think that's a little high, but 
I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the first round. So I think those three names are probably the guys that I would look at first and foremost at right tackle at 28. Yeah. Do you think, because it feels like there is a drop-off, because I don't think Dewan Jones makes it to pick 60 in the second round. Do you think there's a guy that could realistically be there that could play, compete for the right tackle spot after pick 28 for the Bengals? So pick 60, 92? Um, yeah, so assuming maybe Jonah Williams is gone and yeah, mm-hmm. they'll have to compete with Lyle Collins, I guess. Um, you know, if right away, I mean, the only guy – there's maybe a couple, maybe Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse or Tyler Steen from Alabama. Uh, both of those guys would have to switch positions though. Um, so there's that uncertainty there uh, of moving sides, but yeah, those would probably be the only two based on what I've seen so far in this class uh, that would maybe be worthy of that. That's still, you know, maybe a little high uh, for, for me, but I think uh, those two guys and they're both kind of bigger, more physical guys who are better run blockers than pass protectors as well. So, you know, that kind of fits, you know, in, in the mold of what they like as well. So those are two names that I would probably throw out as possibilities there, but ideally a little bit later. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals right now, Leo Collins is still on the roster. It's been really unfortunate because I felt like he battled injuries most of his season here last year, and then he tears his ACL. He did that in December. We don't really know if he's going to be ready for September, but you don't really have to rush him if Jonah Williams is over there playing right tackle. What would you do if you're the front office with Lyle Collins? Are you still keeping him on the roster, or do you think you know he's going to be able to be maybe the old Lyle Collins I think that they were hoping for? Yeah, really good questions. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I, I guess it really comes down to the value of it in the contract situation, which I, I don't know all the details of. Uh, but if you can keep him at a bargain kind of deal, then I think it you know makes a lot of sense to just see what he has left. Um, but it's just unfortunate to kind of see his, his decline uh, last season and then now with an additional injury to deal with on top of that major hip injury he had in Dallas before he got to Cincinnati and then some back stuff. Uh, you know, it's just his body is just broken down. Um, so he, he isn't what he was on track at being, you know, in that 2019 season when he was maybe the best run blocking right tackle in football. Um, so I, I just don't know, uh, you know, what he would have left at this point. Um, but again, if, if you can get him, you know, I don't know what his situation is with the contract, but you know, at like a bargain kind of price, then yeah, I'd say it's just, it's a dart throw, you know, to see, you know, how he comes back, you know, physically, if he can at least get to the level he was last year, and then hopefully maybe a little bit better being further removed from that prior injury, but the ACL complicates it. It's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. I I don't think you can go into the season with him as your clear cut starter. You have to have some, some youth in there if, if Jonah Williams is gone. So yeah, that's kind of where I am with Leo Collins. Do you think, it would help him at all to move inside like he used to play back in Dallas, maybe so he doesn't have the athletic, you know, you still have to do have athleticism on the inside, but he wouldn't have to be setting out to TJ Watt and things like that. Yeah. So I, I guess that would be left guard. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, I guess a similar kind of thing for me. It's, it's worth a shot. Uh, you, you know, it would, you know, prevent him from having to, you know, set out in space on defensive ends and, you know, mitigate that a little bit. So I, I think that's, that's a viable option. And, 
if he's willing to do it, yeah, I, I think, uh, sure, why not? Yeah, going to camp, you know, with him competing at left guard with Volson, that'd be, that would actually probably be a, a good idea just to see if he could push him, maybe potentially win the job. Who knows? Yeah, I, that's kind of a last ditch effort to see if you can extract some value from him that I think is, you know, it, it makes sense. Some would say the Bengals are an offensive line away from a Lombardi the year before, and then last year at least making it back to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Joe had uh, three offensive linemen out for the AFC Championship game. But overall, when you look at the signings of Alex Kappa last year, Ted Karras, we already talked about Cordell Wilson, to be determined at the right tackle position. But then you bring Orlando Brown in. Overall, when you look at this offensive line protecting Joe Burrow, what do you think of it? I think it's solid. You know, uh, I'd probably say, you know, middle of the pack. Uh, if everybody stays healthy, um, you know, you can win with this offensive line. I think that's the best way to categorize it. You know, it, again, you know, like we said, right tackle is a big question, but if you could get a, like a bona fide guy at right tackle in there, then I think you're looking at, you know, an above average unit that uh, you could certainly win with. And there's, there's some depth there, you know, with guys who have had to play meaningful snaps last year. Now we're on the bench. That's always nice to have your bench, you know, with, with meaningful snaps and starts, uh, you know, so that, that could be a luxury that they could have, uh, you know, if, again, I think addressing right tackle is, is really the key, you know, to kind of bump them up a tier. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fine, you know, right now, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Darnell Wright would be, would kind of complete things there for sure. I think that's the dream. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, do you think there are, because we talk about depth and they missed three pieces that kind of killed them in the AFC championship game. Are there any mid late round guys in this draft you think have something to them? Maybe not this year, but you know, depth piece now could compete later. On the inside specifically? Sure, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, you know, like my – I think he's probably going to be my third center in this class. That's Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. He's a guy I like. Um, you know, good run blocker. Um, you know, decent pass protector, but he, he plays with good leverage. He's very physical. Um, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of like a David Andrews, you know, guy, uh, kind of guy. I, I like him a good amount. Uh, you know, that's, that's a center guy. He hasn't played guard. Um, I, I've heard that he probably can play guard, but he just hasn't done it. He's, he's strictly a center. So that's a question with him. You know, this isn't necessarily a mid round guy. I think everybody knows about Cody Malk from North Dakota state. <laughs> You know, he might go in the second round, you know, third round, something like that. But he, to me, is, you know, more of kind of like a third round kind of guy who could develop into something, uh, you know, later down the line. I'd throw him out there. Most of the other guys that I've graded so far are either like, you know, second or third round or like sixth or seventh round. So I'm still searching uh, for, you know, those that third, fourth, fifth round kind of guys. Um, I, I, and most of these guys are centers as well. Like Luke Whipler from Ohio state, he's a little bit behind Stromberg to me, but he's more of an athletic kind of guy. And I don't know if that necessarily fits, you know, what Cincinnati would want. Stromberg is probably the guy at center that I think would fit a little bit more what they would want. Um, and then, uh, yeah, guard, I haven't seen somebody necessarily to, to come in there and, you know, I would maybe throw out Chandler Zavala from NC State. He's a potential 
guy, you know, fourth, fifth round that I, that I think he's a bigger physical guy that I think could, you know, kind of be in that Volson mold, you know, Mm -hmm. compete, add some depth, things like that. So yeah, there's, there, there's a couple, but you know, um, I think the depth that they have now is probably fine. And I don't know how much you're going to upgrade that, you know, depending on where you, where you're drafting it, you know, you, you probably have to go second, third round, you know, to upgrade what they already have. Brandon Thorne, you can follow him over on Twitter. Brandon Thorne, NFL O-line analyst for Bleacher Report and Establish the Run. I know you're getting plenty of tweets from Bengals fans talking about their offensive line over the last couple of years. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. Thank you so much to Brandon Thorne for joining us. A little offensive line 101. A lot to talk about with the Cincinnati Bengals, but we move on to these free agency signings. They either happen in prime time, 10 p.m. at night, or midnight. The Bengals with a move when it comes to tying in. Uh, what's crazy about it is Jay Morrison uh, over at The Athletic, he was actually at the owner's meeting. He was talking to Zach Taylor, and he, and he even tweeted it out yesterday. He goes, yeah, I have a piece on the tight end. Everybody's asking me about the tight end stuff. I don't know if Bengals fans are going to like it because he pretty much said, you know, we're really happy with our room. You know, look what our tight end coach was able to do with some of these tight ends. And he has a point. I mean, you get CJ Uzama out there. Um, you get Hayden Hurst paid, and and they really know how to get tight ends paid if they play with Joe Burrow for at least a year or two. Uh, we move on to Irv Smith Jr. We've actually talked about him on this podcast when it comes to free agents who were available at the time, and Irv Smith is someone who I was okay if they if they brought in and they make the announcement to a one year deal. You've been watching tape. What do you think about Irv Smith Jr.? Uh, solid, solid. The, the elevator pitch, I guess, is. Pretty good receiver. There's a little bit of stuff, and we'll get, probably get into it. Um, but pretty good receiver. He can make an impact there for sure. Surprisingly good in space as a blocker. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't he's not much. He's not like a great blocker, but he's really good at that. I was. Uh, I sometimes when I'm watching, it's just like I take note of something, and I don't know if it's like his best trait, but it's just something that surprised me. It's just like watching, like oh my goodness, there he is in space again, just being able to get the linebacker and seal him off pancake a corner whatever whatever's needed so the pitch is good receiver can do enough as a blocker 
And I think the Bengals will be happy with this signing. It reminds me a bit of Hayden Hurst, although he's younger and more athletic. One of the things, uh, you know, people attach to Irv Smith Jr. is the injuries, but it always feels like it's it's not one lingering injury. It's just another thing, just trying to stay healthy and on the field. And as you mentioned, he's young. And if this guy can stay healthy, he's going to be a difference maker when it comes to the weapons that this team has. They don't involve the tight end that much. So if you get another guy out there when it comes to speed and some of his other abilities when you watch him on the field, what do you think he's going to bring to the, the weapons? Yeah, so... He's very smooth, especially when he's working underneath and doesn't get the top speed and try to throttle down from there. I think that sometimes gives him an issue, but he's very smooth underneath as a mover. Uh, they use him on what's called, I believe, a stucco route, which is you go forward and then you go right and then you go back left. <laughs> and uh, he was able to cook some linebackers once in a while with that one because it's like a triple move thing. And he just changes direction really well in that area. Uh, he's got good hands. He's only dropped four passes in his career, and he does a really good job of holding on through contact, some big hits, and he just pops up with the ball. He uh, was able to hold on. Not the greatest contested catch guy, and, man, I said good hands, but a play that sticks out, and it stuck out to me because this was a primetime game. I think it was Monday Night Football against the Eagles. He got behind everybody and dropped what should have been like a 60-yard touchdown, like nobody near him. So good hands, although I guess it you know, didn't pop up at the biggest moment <laughs> of that game. Uh, but he's got I, – I think he's just – as a weapon, it's easy to use him because he's athletic, he's a smooth mover, he's a good job of pushing off, creating separation that way. The only thing that concerned me was he doesn't release well, uh, meaning he doesn't keep his chest clean. You know, guys are able to hit him, jam him move him around a little bit. I think that's something that comes usually with age with tight ends. Uh, it's one of the things that Michael Mayer is really good at. And it's why I'm like, okay, Michael Mayer probably enters the league as a good receiver because he do he's doing things that like tight ends usually pick up as they get older. Um, but that's something that the tight end coach, I mean, I have some faith that he might get better at it because he's young. He gets to work with a new tight end coach. He gets to be in this room as the de facto number one guy, depending on what happens at 28. Uh, but overall, I think he's a good weapon to be added to this receiving room. You mentioned Michael Mayer, and one of the things when it comes to pick 28, we don't know where the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go. They had Sidney Jones. We're going to get to him a little bit later when it comes to more of the CB4, could be CB5, depending on uh, what they do the rest of the offseason. When you look at the draft, and I still think they'll bring Mitchell Wilcox back um, on a really cheap one-year deal, too, to just add more depth in the tight end room. And he was okay for Joe Burrow last year. Who would really compliment uh, Herb Smith Jr. when it comes to a tight end maybe at 28 or in the second round? Well, for this year, it's Darnell Washington. Because everything I said about Irv is, you know, not the best in line, not the best taken on. He, yeah, he just got destroyed at times by like cam jordan types really really good players but just he he would be on the back side of things and cam jordan just beat him so bad he's making a play all the way over on the front side um so you know not a guy and i think the Bengals will rely on him to do that stuff because they did with hearse too and if Hurst messed up it's just it is what it is but we need you to do this uh so but if you get darnell washington well now he can be a little bit more of that big slot, the move tight end type. And Darnell Washington gets to stay in line and uh, do what he does best, block. <laughs> 
beat people up. Um, and both of those guys are really good blockers in space. Darnell Washington might be the best. I'm not going to say like, not the best ever, but probably the best I've watched for, of guys that block in space, like watched a lot of just unbelievable at doing that. Every time he gets out there, he's putting a guy on his back. So that's uh that's if you're doing the one year, if you're just trying to compliment for this year, we're going to go all in, go for that Super Bowl. Let's win. Let's win it this year. It's Darnell Washington. After this year, I think that's a little bit questionable. You're hoping for some development. I know he's very athletic. He's a better mover at the combine than he was on the field for Washington. I'm talking about Washington now. Uh, so like, can you, can you get that out of him? Can you get him to play fast? Can you get him to be the athlete that he was at the combine and be a weapon? Because if you can, maybe not year two, year three, maybe get another guy for a year one, like a one-year thing next year as well. But year three, if he can do that, you've probably, I mean, he's probably the best all-around tight end if he can do that. It's it's everything with the receiving that's a question for him. He's huge. He's athletic. He's a heck of a blocker. And with Irv, he doesn't need to be your fourth receiving option this year. He gets to kind of relax, you know, probably catch 20 balls. <laughs> do the Mitchell Wilcox, uh, but, you know, more added blocking ability and uh, – probably a little bit more dynamic of a receiver as well to start the, to start his career. So he'd be, he'd be like a high, it'd be Mitchell Wilcox. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox is probably a bad example. <laughs> He's like a better, much, much better blocking version of Drew Sample, I think like the idealized Drew Sample and then he's also a better receiver though. So it's hard to find a comparison. The comparison I always come back to are not bang. Drew like, Sample's PTSD. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, well, it's like that mold, though, you know, better blocker than receiver. The guy I come back to is Mercedes Lewis back with the Jaguars. It, you know, really high-end athlete, didn't always play that way, but he's super blocker. And that's uh, that's what I keep thinking of when I think of, like, what could he be? Jermaine Gresham's not, like, a terrible idea there. I think, yeah, he even has the drops. So <laughs> I haven't seen him fumble. I haven't seen him fumble. So, you know, we get that part uh, knocked out. It's Jermaine Gresham without the fumble issues. You know, really good blocker, really athletic. Drop some balls. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, but he's a little bit more raw as a receiver than Gresham was coming out, I think. I don't know. I was not watching Oklahoma scouting those tight ends <laughs> when Gresham was uh, selected. How do you feel, though, if Irv Smith Jr. is your tight end one in September? Fine. Yeah, good. This is why you make that signing. <laughs> that's why That's why I'm not all aboard Mayer, who is still probably your best long-term option, safest for sure. But, and he's a better, he's, I think he's a better inline blocker than uh, Irv as well. But I'm happy with Irv. I think, I think you'll get similar production to what Hurst was able to do. And he's... Man, I, yeah, I, I like Hurst and him are pretty similar players. Shorter arms. Uh, I think Irv's a little smaller, definitely shorter. He's only 6'2, so he's a short tight end, mm -hmm. but a little more athletic. Gives you a tiny bit more juice. He's, uh, they're just as good at catching the ball as each other. They have their issues, uh, you know, getting open a little bit, but they also are able to get open with their athleticism and everything else. So I don't think it's very different from what Hayden Hurst was able to give you. So I'm perfectly fine with that as your tight end one for cheap on a one-year deal. It's great. 
my favorite thing was because that announcement happened around midnight. I didn't see it till this morning because I was asleep, but uh, I saw Jamar Chase's tweet pop up from the Globo Five, and he was really happy mm-hmm. um, with that. So I'm connecting the two because um, Irv Smith Jr. is from uh, Jamar Chase's hometown, so maybe there's oh. a little bit of a connection there. Um, Anola guy, and uh, just another weapon for this room. And I think one of the things that's really cool, and you know, maybe we hear this more after the signing. We talked about with Orlando. Brown Jr., his agent reached out to the Bengals the day they signed him. Uh, Herb Smith Jr. had several offers. Of course, he was one of the last tight ends to sign, at least one of the upgraded top tight ends in free agency um, out of like the top four, top three. Um, where, where would you put him, Herb Smith Jr.? Out of all the tight ends in free agency? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, Foster Moreau did. I don't know if he counts because of the unfortunate. Um, yeah. So. He's behind Schultz, and he's Evan Ingram didn't hit free agency. I mean, I don't think this is I, I, probably a very hot take. I don't think he's much worse than Mike Kosicki. Like I've got him around the same level. <laughs> it's a hot take, I guess, but like no, I mean that's fine. Kosicki can make the contested catches. He can make the spectacular catches, but like down to down consistency is probably Irv Smith. I always, I, but I'm a little bit lower on Kosicki. I think that a lot of people, but yeah, I, I Kosicki can't block, and Irv can block a little bit. So I, overall probably about Mike Kosicki level. And I know that's uh there are people that are very big Mike Kosicki truthers. I may make upset about that, but Hey, he's a good receiver. He can work the seams. He can work down the field. I think uh, Kosicki would probably be more of a vertical threat, but at the same time for the Bengals, what they need, what they want about the same Irv or Kosicki. So yeah, that's a, uh, so what was that be like tied for third or something? I'd have Foster Moreau ahead of both of those guys uh, and Dalton Schultz ahead of them. I can't think of all the, uh, all the tight ends that were available, but he's up there. I remember when I made my uh, poll, I was like after Irv Smith, because this is probably the last like plus tight end that you can find in free agency. Who do you want? Because it was slim pickings after that. You're, you know, it's the, uh, um, there's some guys out there that can play, but you know, that you're projecting a little bit. One of the things that I like about it, it's a one-year deal. I think with the Foster Moreau, that would have been if they could have maybe a two to three year deal. Cause he's still pretty young, uh, when it comes to just adding another vet in the tight end room. But I was really surprised because it kind of got quiet in the tight end room over the last few days. And I thought, no, they're probably out on Irv Smith Jr. Just because Zach Taylor did have his coach speak and just kind of felt really comfortable with what they had. Heavy draft coming up um, in the tight end room, which I still feel like they're going to add uh, two more tight ends before they they start in September. But overall, it's really cool because um, NFL Network actually tweeted it out this morning. There were uh, several teams that were in on Irv Smith Jr. And again, those teams... They weren't confirmed. I want to say the Miami Dolphins were one of the teams. And he chose the Bengals because Burrow, Higgins, Jamar Chase, and he wanted to win. And I think that's another factor because, you, like I mentioned before, you get the Orlando Brown agent calling and saying, hey, he he knows what Cincinnati is. They had to face him in the AFC Championship two years in a row, knows that this team can win. They have Joe Burrow. You want to go and, yeah, you want to get paid, getting paid helped, but uh, you want to to see what you can, you can do in Cincinnati. And Herb Smith Jr., I have this thing in my head that the Bengals just go to these tight ends and they pull up a PowerPoint and it's Hayden Hurst. 
it's Uzama, and they said, this is what you can get next year. Just a one-year deal, show what you can do, and um, you, you can really uh, make a good investment on yourself in the NFL. So I think it was really cool that Herb Smith just said, you know, I want to I go win. I want to go play with Burrow. And we joke about the Burrow effect a lot, but I think that really matters. And even the pro scouting director was on Locked In Bengals, and he said that that's what's different about this year. He said the agents are calling them, and obviously they're doing work too, but they're like, hey, my my player has an interest in playing for you guys. Let's see what we can work out. And I think that's huge when it comes to uh, the contract they're still working on with Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, it's a three-step process to get paid as a tight end in the NFL. Disappoint early, go to the Bengals, <laughs> and then go get paid the next year. <laughs> you know? uh, I mean, because it's, it's what's kind of been like Uzama wasn't doing much. And then Burrow, I mean, he was okay early on, I think, but you know, very raw. He was a later pick. And then boom, he has one year with the one full year with Burrow and he explodes and goes, gets a big deal. Hayden Hurst disappoints, gets replaced, comes to Cincinnati, has a great year, goes off and gets a new deal. I think that does, you know, it, it's becoming a pattern. So if Irv does it, I mean, if I'm, you know, I don't know. If I'm going to sick of your Schultz, maybe you're kicking yourself a little bit. Just like uh, if, if Irv's able to pull off like a bigger year than people are expecting, I don't know, six, 700 yards or something like that. You know, maybe they're just like, man, maybe that's where I should have gone for it. The, Cause they both signed one year deals. Maybe that's where you should have gone and signed the one year deal, but all the best to those guys. Uh, yeah. That's uh, I'm happy with your signing. I don't uh, I think this was the last, this was like the last of a batch. This was uh, the cutoff from him. You know, there's to me, Gesicki, Hurst, and Irv kind of all in the same grouping. So after this was kind of a cutoff, and then you get to like your Shaheens and your Dan Arnolds, which I would feel less fine. I, I would think you might don't have to take one at 28, but you might be really incentivized to take one at 28 if that was your starting tight end. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see that come in over the notifications this morning, but good news for the Bengals, and hopefully it works out for Irv Smith Jr. He can stay healthy, and uh, maybe that multi-year contract will come with the Bengals next year after this one-year deal, so to be determined. But we'll get to more for agent signing Sidney Jones when it comes to the secondary next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. All right, we get O-line, we get tight end. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Plenty of offensive line talk. We talk about the new addition in the tight end room. Then we move over to the cornerback room. It feels like Duke is really busy in Phoenix. I mean, he's out there shaking hands, meeting owners, talking to GMs, head coach Zach Taylor's out there, but the work never stops. And I feel like the last four years have been pretty solid for the Bengals when it comes to free agency. They add a cornerback. I saw your tweet yesterday. Sydney Jones, Eli Apple, we've talked about him before, and I'm still holding out hope that Eli right, Apple right. is brought into Cincinnati, and I think that would be huge because you can never have enough cornerbacks. I brought up that the Bengals could draft a cornerback at 28, and a lot of people are like, no, 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 why would they do that? You can get another player. Look, you have to think ahead, and you need that just in case there's an injury, and Zach Taylor even said that. You know, you can always have um, plenty of cornerbacks in your secondary. They bring Sydney Jones in. I feel like it's a very 50-50 split. People are excited. He's CB number four right now. Could be CB number five. What do you think of Sidney Jones and the signing for the Bengals? I mean, I like it. I Man, I know that people are kind of split. 
I'm not going to say like this was a slam dunk home run signing. It's fine. I like it. I think this is a, it's similar to the Eli Apple signing, except he's been better um, than Eli Apple was prior to coming to, you know, Eli Apple in New Orleans and then Carolina. I don't know if people remember he was in Carolina. He played 20 something snaps. That's all he did in Carolina. He was on his way, like out of the league and the Bengals brought him in and turned his career around flourished. I don't understand why there's so many people that are upset about the Sidney Jones thing. A, he's depth. So he's not going to be Jalen Ramsey, but he's good depth. He was supposed to be a first round pick, but then he tore. I can't remember what ligament he tore lower body. He tore a lower body ligament, (laughs) something knee, maybe Achilles. I can't remember exactly, but he was, you know, he was good coming out. Disappoints a little bit didn't have the athleticism he had coming out, but then two years ago, or maybe three years, I don't know how you're counting uh, with the Jaguars. He was actually surprisingly good. He got a deal with uh, Seattle after that, but Seattle, they drafted Tariq Woolen and kind of that guy did great. <laughs> so uh, Sidney Jones ended up getting cut. He goes to the Raiders, doesn't really play. And then PFF has him listed terrible, even though his ratings before that were good. You know, it's, he only played hundred snaps last year. It w- he might've been on his way out of the league himself pretty much. So the Bengals sign him. And I feel like there's a pattern here. I feel like you look at the Eli Apple trajectory of he was, you know, didn't, he was disappointment a little bit, not a little bit. He was a, he was a disappointment in New York, went to new Orleans, didn't do great there, went to Carolina, didn't even win the job. And after that, you're thinking like, well, he might be out. Sandy Jones disappointed early actually played pretty well for Jacksonville, but then went to Seattle, didn't have the job, might've been on his way out. So that's what I'm seeing is just like, I don't understand people that are upset about this and saying like, Oh my God, he's so much worse than Eli. It's like, we haven't seen them in the same situation, man. Like Lou Anarumo coaching these guys versus Vegas. I'd take Anarumo and what he can do and turn around these careers. So that's all I'm looking at. And I still think Eli Apple could sign back. I don't think he will, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm like 40, 60 on it. Like I, I, if I had to guess, no, but it could happen because you can't have enough corners. They could even draft a guy and bring Eli Apple back. And well, that might be enough corners, but. (laughs) But, I'm not talking about cutting guys by that point. (laughs) No, um, with Eli Apple, it's kind of crazy because the reaction, I, I always felt like Eli didn't get enough credit. Um, from the overall NFL fan base when you think of what he was able to do in Cincinnati last year. But then when they signed Cindy Jones, you get the reaction of, but what about Eli Apple? And I'm like, wait a minute, people were down on Eli Apple when he was here. You know, which one is it when it comes to the depth of the cornerback position, even though Eli Apple was a starter last year with Cheeto down? I still think, and and maybe it's just because I feel like I've said it before, it's home in Cincinnati. It feels like home in Cincinnati for Eli. And maybe this is a June, July, or you get into preseason, September. I'm naming all the months um, that Eli Apple ends up coming back to Cincinnati. But we'll see what happens. I, I do. I trust Louie Naruma when it comes to the secondary room and the cornerbacks. He gets the best 
out of all of these guys. And that's why when you when you look at the secondary, I'm really excited what he's going to be able to do with Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt in year two. Um, just just overall, those guys are they have a good coach. I'm glad he's back. And this is a huge year to have him as the defensive coordinator. So I think it's fine. But overall, when it comes to free agency, it looks like the Bengals. Um, and I don't think that they're done. Maybe, you know, major signings and look after we record this, they'll probably sign Zeke. Uh, but uh, I think overall, I feel like this this free agency has been pretty solid when it comes to just filling some of the holes right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything except right tackle is filled now. You've got your tight end. You've even got your cornerback four. You've got your safeties. You've got basically everything. So it just comes down to now, is this what they're rolling with for right tackle? Do they feel comfortable with, like, four guys that they could take at 28 for right tackle because like we talked about with Brandon, it's just not a lot of guys after pick 28 that you can really plug and play at right tackle. And even the guys that were, are able to maybe play right away are left tackles. So you have to make a projection. So that's the one question I think we all have because Jonah currently says he won't play it. I don't know. That's the most intriguing part. If Jonah's at right tackle, then they don't have any holes. And this is just a strictly BPA draft. That is great. That would be perfect. Ideal. Maybe you could take a corner. Maybe you take a tight end. Maybe you take uh, an offensive tackle. The great part, you don't have to take any of them. You feel good about the guys you have this year. And yeah, you've got the issue next year of like, well, you know, Irv leaves and, you know, corner leaves. There's a few corners on the one-year deals, Sidney Jones and Chidobe Awuzie. So there's there's a little bit there you have to look at for the future, but for the immediate, for the Super Bowl window, if Jonah plays right tackle, this team's probably as good, if not better, than it was last year, and that's before the draft. I'm going to stay with Jonah right now because you know, we can always talk more offensive line and we haven't seen, you know, really anything ramp up besides the trade demand from his camp a couple weeks ago. And Zach Taylor talked about it. And he's like, look, I, I hope he's our right tackle uh, when we start the season. And I think that's the best option right now because I don't know what they're going to do at 28 and, and maybe they do go O-line or maybe they bank on us second round offensive lineman for the future at the right tackle position. And they know more about Leo Collins, but I don't feel really great about it, pushing him out there. But uh, Jonah Williams at the moment, I think there, I think some people forget that his contract is guaranteed with that $12 million. So, you know, whether you, you don't like to hear him wanting to get traded and maybe the Bengals, they're not getting the offers that they want because they hold the leverage. Mike Brown isn't going to say, yeah, you know what? Give me a sixth. And, uh, and maybe, maybe he will when they get to September because they get a draft pick at 28 and somebody will take the 12 million off their books. But Jonah Williams, he isn't going to get cut. He's going to be an offensive lineman if he isn't traded for the Cincinnati Bengals next year. Maybe he's on the bench and he's not playing, but I just feel like Jonah and you have Frank Pollock and maybe those conversations behind the scenes that Jonah's, he's still going to show up to work. Um, he, he's going to want to get paid that $12 million. So I don't know. I still kind of have this, this, this sense that Jonah's going to be their starting right tackle when they start in September. Yeah. And I think the big part of that is I don't think people are going to meet what the Bengals want unless there's an injury right now. You just look around and I think teams will talk themselves into their left tackle. The Colts, we look at, at that and we go, 
that's a spot. You know, why not trade Jonah to the Colts? And Jonah wants to be a left tackle. He doesn't want to be a right tackle, doesn't want to play inside. So that also limits it. And then, you know, the Colts have probably talked themselves into, look, we've got this young guy, Bernard Raymond. We feel okay about that. Yada, yada. We're not, you know, they're not really competing right now. So why would they make the trade? The Buccaneers, another place you could look at, and like maybe you could trade Jonah there because they just lost Donovan Smith. They cut Donovan Smith. Don't you think there's a plan? <laughs> so uh, there's, you know, there's just a few spots. And maybe it works out. Maybe they can get what they want. But I feel like what the Bengals want is maybe a second, maybe a third plus something. And I think what is market right now is probably like a fourth, just the cap hit the one year. If you're going above a fourth, you probably have to extend him. I'm not sure who feels comfortable extending him, making him the long-term left tackle. So when you look at it, yeah, it's tough because in the Bengals would be more incentivized to just send him off. If this was early free agency, if this was like day one of free agency or, or before free agency, he asked for a trade. You could think like, okay, we'll trade him. We'll sign Orlando Brown. Now Orlando Brown's basically $4 million cap it or whatever because we lost the 12.6 and then we can use that extra money to go do something else at this point what are you out there signing and i know extensions could work out into you know factoring into this maybe that's what you're making the room for i just don't think you have to trade him off and lose talent to sign an extension with other players i would have been all for it if it was before free agency trade him and now you're bringing in some high-end talent but it's late it's late. Like, who are the guys you bring it in? <laughs> they signed Irv Smith. Um, so maybe you're looking at like pass rushers. It looked like they were looking at that with a few guys they brought in. But it's not like guys like Melvin Ingram or whoever whoever are really going to cost you that much money. So, and they still have money. They still have money laying around for the cap room. I think it's well over 10 million still that they can play with before the draft and everything there like they like to roll things over as well and they still have about 10 million or so to mess around with so that that's the whole jonah thing is just there's not a lot of guys out there that you could trade him and go make a big splash signing like if you, javon hargrave's not out there coming to go play for the Bengals anymore you know even dalton schultz or somebody it was a nine million dollar cap hit that would have made a lot of sense you know trade jonah off save some money or do the mixing thing but we're not talking about that this podcast uh and just save some money, bring him in. Even Zeke. Zeke's probably not going to cost that much. And I think if you do anything with Zeke, it's going to mess with the Mixon deal more than it's going to mess with the Jonah deal because you're bringing somebody into that same position. The Zeke stuff got really quiet after we recorded our podcast. I mean, the Eagles talked about it. They felt really comfortable with what they have. The Jets feel comfortable with what they have. And then Cincinnati, Zach Taylor was asked about it later that night at a high school event for St. X. And he was pretty much like, oh, you know, I'm pretty, I like our roster. Uh, just really, you know, shaking his head surprised. Uh, but but I can't believe Zach Taylor anymore because he's throwing out all this coach speak. So maybe he It's all coach it. speak. It yeah. is, it is. <laughs> They're not going to go like, yeah, we, <laughs> if we team. miss out on Zeke, you might as well write us off as Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> well, that would be so silly because you don't even have this free agent yet. He isn't signed. Yeah, and you'd be like, yeah. yep, we have interest because then his market goes up and uh, Zeke somewhere else. And and I said it before, we said it on this podcast last week. If they bring Zeke in, I have no problem if he is a P. Ryan replacement and maybe mm -hmm. you, you still draft a rookie. You need to still draft a rookie running back. Um, more than likely not at 28, but maybe um, in the second or third round for me personally. So, yeah, the Zeke stuff, he said he wanted to 
to have his decision made by the end of this week. Uh, it, it really kind of sounded like after we recorded last week that it was more of a Zeke list than it was the team list, which is really, it's really good PR and marketing for a agency and a player because it gets you thinking because other teams are like, Oh, those three teams have an interest. I'm going to give a call and see what they're offering. So yeah, to be determined, maybe Zeke is on the Bengals roster by the end of the week. How are you still feeling about that? Yeah. I mean, good. As long as it's cheap, he is a better P Ryan. That is the, if he's willing to accept that role, he's a better P Ryan. Like that, that's what's, that's what would be great. I think he is just as, if not more reliable as a pass protector, he's got probably more receiving chops and more juice to him. So Sounds great to me. Sign me up. Uh, it just depends if he's willing to do that. You think of, you know, big time running backs of the past. Some of them don't want to do that. Some of them are like Adrian Peterson, just going team to team. You need a runner? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to go get you 600 yards. Frank Gore used to, you know, he was doing that too. So for a long time. So if he's willing to accept a decreased role, love it. If he's, if he's coming to Cincinnati, and they cut Mixon, they give him a big deal, and they're like, you are the star, you're the starting running back, we're not even interested in the draft. It's like, okay, hold on, this, uh, this might not be a good idea. That's the problem. But if you think of him, he fits a role very, very well. Me being like, you know what, we're not going to talk running back, we're going to talk other positions, but we had to throw in a little bit of running back update to see what's going on over there. But yeah, maybe there's a decision by the end of the week and they add Zeke, but right now it really doesn't feel like a, a whole lot of interest from Cincinnati, but that's according to Zach Taylor earlier um, in the week last week. You're busy over in all Bengals. You had today off, so you're able to watch a lot of Irv Smith Jr. tape. What is going to be online for fans to check out? Finally, I've gotten past the existential dread of I don't know what I'm writing about. There's an Irv Smith article coming up. <laughs> easy. You know, they make their job easy sometimes. So that'll be up by the time you're probably listening to this. Perfect. Go check it out. Make sure you're following along. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We will be back later in the week to see if there's any more pre-agency news for the Cincinnati Bengals. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.